The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Very good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. The Dow touches a fresh intraday high on strong earnings while Bitcoin makes a fresh all-time high. Paul Tudor Jones telling CNBC he now sees crypto assets as an inflation hedge. I do think we're moving into an increasingly digitized world. Clearly, there's a place for crypto and clearly it's winning the race against gold at the moment. Tesla shares dip in extended trade as the EV maker warns supply chain problems will hit margins, while Elon Musk dodges the company's earnings call. French COVID measures take their toll on Carrefour's third quarter hypermarket sales. But Europe's largest retailer maintains its cash flow outlook for the year, with e-commerce booming. ABB's third quarter revenues jumped 7%, but the CEO says tight supply chains hit it more than expected as profit comes in shy of forecasts and the robotics giant cuts its outlook. And the former Bank of England governor, UN Special Envoy for Climate Action and Finance, Mark Carney, tells CNBC exclusively that markets must be re-engineered to enable the transition to net zero. We needed to retool the uh, market, retool the plumbing of financial markets at its core uh, in order for that to be the case, because we need to mainstream this transition to net zero if we're going to get to where the world needs. these markets after volatile summer months so we've seen these markets now grind higher to the point where we're just a whisker away from all-time records on the Dow and S&P the Nasdaq too within striking distance if it had a very solid session play out so uh, just worth noting how quickly we've climbed towards some of the higher levels on markets and just whether there's more in it don't forget we are just moving through earnings season banks have been a strong catalyst and in fact financials at a record level yesterday we saw the KBE so far up about two 2.8 plus percent for the week. So there has been that backdrop where you've had earnings cross. Investors have taken a number of days to digest it and then they've lifted a particular sector as a result of some of those report cards. And that has been a positive catalyst. Clearly, technology has been in the mix too, not left behind. We have seen a fairly decent performance for FANG stocks this week. And it's just worth noting as we start to wade through a lot of the tech earnings, whether that's going to be instrumental for the markets. And it is very much a key component when we talk about uh, the market uh, cap of many of these big names so that it could be another positive catalyst for the markets, but one we're watching closely. In the face of that, uh, the yield story is still very much there and present. Investors continue to stew about inflation, the, the punchy numbers we're getting, not just in the United States, but globally. Germany was one that even the Americans sat back and looked at yesterday. So it is worth noting we have pushed higher on these yields, 1.67% yesterday. We peeled back a little bit after hitting that 1.7% mark on the 10-year, but to 1.65 this morning. So there's still a bit of heat in that market as investors anticipate what may lie ahead. Let's take a look at the Asian markets, picking up on uh, that uh, lead from Wall Street. This is how it plays out. Patchy old day, Japanese stocks are weaker, a patch of red uh, across some of these Asian markets. Uh, Hong Kong just giving back a bit of territory, but uh, green now for the Chinese market, for the Shanghai composite. The opening calls in Europe, uh, we had a, a mostly positive session yesterday. We were up about a third of a percent. 
on the stock share of 600, uh, fifth positive session in six. And as we get set up for the trade this morning, we are chasing a slightly weaker picture, as you can see, right across uh, many of these core markets, Jeff. Yeah, it's been a different story, hasn't it, with uh, Bitcoin over the last few days here. So let's get into that. And we've got a terrific clip from Paul Tudor-Jones that we'll get to as well. Uh, Bitcoin then hitting a fresh all-time high above $66,000 after the launch of the first ever U.S. Bitcoin futures ETF. The cryptocurrency had hit nearly $65,000 back in April. Uh, Bitcoin also got a boost from the famed billionaire investor Paul Tudor Jones, who argues he prefers crypto to other assets amid inflation pressures. I do think we're moving into an increasingly digitized world. Clearly, there's a place for crypto, and clearly it's winning the race against gold at the moment, right? Um, So... So, yes, I would, I would think that would also be a very good inflation hit. It would be my preferred one over gold at the moment. Elsewhere, Tesla has posted record revenue and profit for the third quarter, topping analysts' expectations. But the electric car company warned that supply chain disruptions and ramping up new factories could impact margins. Shares fell 1.6% in after hours. Net income climbed to $1.6 billion, surpassing the $1 billion threshold for the second time. Revenue surged 57% on year to $13.8 billion. CEO Elon Musk kept his promise and did not join the investor call. Let's get to John Blank, who is the chief equity strategist at Zach's Investment Research. John, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, there was a lot to like in the Tesla numbers yesterday and no doubt that big profitability number. What did you make of what crossed from Tesla? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaways you take out of this call is they did 240,000 units for uh, both their Shanghai and their Fremont factories. And if you take that out uh, over four quarters, that's close to a million units. And what, what you can learn from that is if you think the Shanghai and the Fremont factories are, are scaled to 500,000 units or near it, what you learn from this is that they have set up the two existing factories to be extremely profitable and in full capacity and they are now at full capacity in those two main factories and they did mention that this is probably going to be the high watermark not only for those aluminum and nickel prices that are eating into their margins but more importantly that when they put the austin factory and the brandenburg factory in germany up here in the next two months they're going to start production but not deliveries for a number of months and that's going to take down the margins again but the good news for those factories is that the template they have learned in Shanghai and in Fremont is going to work and they will be profitable. So I think the best lesson to learn here is Tesla as a manufacturing company, I'm not talking about the downstream services and sales delivery, which have some issues, insurance, which has some issues, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the, the self-driving, which has issues, but at the core, these Big manufacturing plants that are at the base of this company are very profitable. And that's the good news about Tesla. Uh, John, while we're talking about lessons, can we get to Bitcoin? Because uh, the company has, what, $1.26 in Bitcoin investments and took a $51 million charge in the latest results. How much of a distraction are the digital assets at this point from the broader business? Well, absolutely clear that the share price is tracking Bitcoin because they own so much of it. So I think you can also credit some of the recovery in the share price heading into this report from their their holdings of Bitcoin. And the question here is you got to ask 
yourself is if was Elon a lot smarter than he was given credit for, he bought Bitcoin while he was scaling his production factories, buying him some time and buying some lift with the stock. So I've begun to think that Elon Musk had a tactical uh, plan here with his Bitcoin holdings that actually probably worked. And I don't think he's been credit for that. John, the, the emissions credits have been important in the past, but they seem to be less so now in the company being able to turn a profit. How relevant is it still for Tesla that they have this uh, break from the emissions credits? Well, the emissions credits for, for right now are basically you know hinging on mostly the California emissions credits. The, the Texas factory is primarily positioned to provide East Coast model-wise before they move on to the truck. So I think I don't know a lot about the complexities of the the parallel emissions credits that are going to run out of the East Coast states, but that's clearly in play here, and, and that's going to be part of the driver of the Austin factory. So I don't think, uh, you know, California is the model here, but it's going to be similar. And I think that's what people should keep in mind. The, the other issue is uh, you were talking about some of the challenges from the input side um, uh, around the spike in uh, raw materials prices. But what about the average selling price impact? Is that a trend that we should be concerned about? I mean, it's it's been clear that e, the share of the EV market that Tesla has globally has been decreasing through the last seven, eight months or so here. If you combine that with the reduction in the average selling price, are these trends that we need to be concerned about? Well, I think this is Elon's plan. I mean, again, I think Elon's working his plan and his plan has always been disruptive. I'm not, before the show, I took a look at the uh, Model S used prices and you could pretty much buy one for 75 grand. If you look at the Model 3 used prices, you're going to get one for 50 grand. And what Elon has said is that he wants in two or three years to be able to sell a car at 25 grand. So you can see that it's it's really a very clean engineering play again to bring down the cost over time as they learn and scale. So the average selling price fell 6% this time around. And again, over a year, that's probably what he wanted and what he's continuing to think is, is necessary to bring the demand in to this market. So I, I personally, again, I think this is very engineered into their models. They're thinking very incrementally over time to bring the costs down and, and raise that unit volume across the business. I mean, if you got a business here next year that'll lose 70 billion in revenues at Tesla, you're basically half the size of Ford on that year. You're, you know, Toyota's at 250, Volkswagen's at 250, and people say who know this industry. If you add up all the products that he can possibly get, he could have a $5 trillion market to take on. So this is what's staggering. And this is when you realize the bulls have a really strong case here is if you are 70 billion, you in four years have basically taken on half of Ford Motor Company's revenues earned over a century. And you've got a market that can get to $5 trillion, $5 trillion. In, in the next 20 years, you have to think about Tesla as being properly priced as long as they keep delivering these growth rates every year. John, one trend that uh, just keeps jumping out in the tech sector, having covered a lot of tech stocks, and if we assume that Tesla is a tech name, the tech companies get disrupted eventually. I've got to say, I got driven to work in a Tesla this morning. They are quite wow. They are quite stunning. But that wow factor does fade fairly quickly. We know there's a string of new vehicles coming to market. Who could disrupt Tesla? 
you know, I think the, the main thing that I would think about here is they've got, again, the very deliberate engineering plan, and they're going to have to be stuck scaling Berlin or Brandenburg and Austin for the next year. And so what that means is their semi-trucks and their light trucks are probably not going to get out. They say for a year, I would get bet more like a year and a half or two before they come out. So there's where your hole is. Light truck market, the peop, you know, the lightning uh, for the Ford and all the Rivians and all the other players that are going to come into play in the sedan market in Europe, Volkswagen, Daimler, those names. You can see that basically when you're a company like Tesla that basically has decided to be a one model company, Model 3 is what delivers 90% of their units. Uh, you're leaving all kinds of niches that can be filled before you get on with things. And I think that's basically the problem here is they have to keep their eyes on the ball to scale the Model 3. They got scaling going on regionally for another year and a half, and they're going to leave a lot of electric vehicle niches that are big to other players. And that's where they're going to get, 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 I don't say hammered. I think they're going to be a player. I mean, you got to remember the Model 3 has a 50% market share in electric vehicles worldwide. So, you know, staggering uh, head start on their parts. But like you're saying, I mean, these other companies are not stupid. They're not sitting around and they're very aware that they need to move fast and they are moving. Yeah. Unlike Karen, John, I came to work on a 12 year old motorcycle. And I, I think this is the point that I want to make. I mean, it, it's that point of it's that point of comparison. You know, we, we we've seen the share price up, what, over 100 percent over the last 12 months. It's trading on a price earnings of something like 450 times. And you, and you look at that and you ask yourself, what, you know, why would I not buy one of the traditional OEMs that's moving into EV that's much more lowly rated? Or if I want some excitement in the sector, why not buy BYD for perhaps the medium term opportunity? What do you think? Yeah, you know, first of all, I'll correct you on your forward price earnings ratio. It's about 160 for Tesla and the S&P is about 20. So it's eight times over the S&P. But when you take a price earnings growth rate, a PEG ratio, I think this is fascinating. If the average PEG ratio of the S&P 500 is about two, but given the growth rates, if they deliver the growth rates that they say they're going to deliver, the 4.3 PEG ratio on the Tesla stock is meaning something that's overvalued, but not strategically overvalued or stratospherically overvalued. So to your point, why don't I buy the BYD? Because they have nothing. They have no share. They have no company. Why do I buy Ford? I mean, Ford makes $1.77 in earnings this entire year. Tesla in this quarter made $1.86 in a quarter. So, And then we know they have two major factories coming. We know the gigafactories are out there. We know all the scaling they can do here. So at the end of the day, once they have proven this scale model works, and that's what they did this quarter, you, you just have to say to yourself, this is the, the, the marquee player in electric vehicles. And anybody who looks in stocks at any length of time will always tell you that the value play in many ways is always the best quality name, the biggest stock with the best position. And it's just unreal that they did it in four or five years, but they are that company. John, a pleasure catching up. Thanks for staying up for us. John Blank, Chief Equity Strategist at Zach's Investment Research. How was the ride actually on the way in? Some people say they're a little bit firm, the Teslas, that the springing can be a bit firm. You sort of feel every bump on the road. Right.
Yeah. Uh, is that just the quality of British roads, though? I mean, we've got some really <laughs> rubbish roads. Yeah, in maybe they're built for American roads, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't feel that, like it's the smoothest ride. And the interior, I mean, the, the dash clearly with the huge screen is quite compelling. And if you're the driver, that's quite, probably quite fascinating. But if you're in the back seat, which I was, yeah. it doesn't feel much different from a Prius, oh. except I can never open the door. I can never actually work out the, the technicals and how to open the door. Right. OK, well, maybe that's something they can address. You want you want screens in the back. You want drinks holders. Anything else you'd like? And, an, and just an easy uh, entry and exit point. Easy entry and exit point. OK, if, you, if you're watching Elon Musk, uh, Karen has her list. And plush, Which, plusher interiors. Can I just add that? Pl plusher. <laughs> Leather seats. You know. OK, if, if Versace is interested in building a car, you could sell one here, maybe. Uh, although your prices are a little bit too high, probably these Apparently, days, yes. alongside Gucci. Um, OK, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back, everybody. UN climate envoy Mark Carney telling CNBC markets need to be, quote, retooled to properly address the world's climate problems. Uh, Steve's got an exclusive one-to-one -one with the former Bank of England governor. We'll play some of that for you next. I think the producer wrote this just for me. For more on a bumpier set of earnings from Tesla. You can check out the Squawkbox podcast. Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Let's focus on the Chinese housing market. Shares in Evergrande are falling on their first day of trade in more than two weeks, with the company's vehicle and property services groups also trading sharply lower. The indebted Chinese real estate company announcing the deal to sell a $2.6 billion stake in its services unit to rival company Hobson Development. That deal collapsing. Well, in a separate filing, Evergrande also saying there had been no material progress in its bid to sell off its stake in regional lender Shengjing Bank. It comes just days uh, before the grace period expires for the first of Evergrande's five offshore bond payments. Now, if it fails to make the $83.5 million coupon payment by Saturday, it will be considered to be formally in default. A UN Special Envoy for Climate Action and Finance, Mark Carney, has told CNBC exclusively that global markets must be retooled for the transition to net zero. Speaking to Steve, as we gear up for our Money and Investing Day at the Sustainable Future Forum, the former BOE governor also addressed the conflict between green targets and short-term shareholder returns. Well, look, there's you know there's a diverse capital market uh, out there, wide range of companies. There'll always be uh, examples uh, of that of companies that underperform or CEOs and management teams that get. Uh, get replaced. Uh, but this is one of the big tectonic shifts in the global economy right now. I mean, if uh, if you don't have a strategy for uh, uh, sustainable, uh, increased sustainability st strategy for the transition 
It's akin to not having a strategy for digitization. I mean, these are the two big forces uh, cross-cutting in the economy. Um, and, uh, and if you do have a strategy and you're getting ahead of it and you've got to uh, have a plan, you're going to create a lot of value. I think this, you know, the, the, the periphery, if you will, the extremes in the market, uh, the pricing has moved. So uh, for, you know, uh, certain types of fossil fuels versus renewables, but at the core, uh, it is that that revaluation has not yet happened in part because the plumbing hasn't all been there. As I said a moment ago, when you know we get to Glasgow, uh, we'll take a look at uh, uh, you know the copper pipes and uh, the other elements of plumbing, and uh, that follows uh, that follows the valuation in corporate action. Final point, Mark, you're not going to get all you want out of COP26. None of us are going to get all that we want out of COP26. If you have to have one win out of the meeting, what is it? Uh, the one win I would want is the bit that I don't influence, which is that the ambition of countries uh, keeps that one and a half degrees uh, alive, which is the core objective, so that uh, there's additional ambition and countries step up uh, between now and when they show up in Glasgow. We'll bring you more from that interview with UN Special Envoy for Climate Action and Finance, Mark Carney, in today's session of the Sustainable Future Forum. Here on the EMEA stage, we'll also speak with Tim Adams, President and CEO of the International uh, Institute of International Finance, and Fiona Frick, the CEO of Asset Manager Unigestion. Also, don't miss our colleagues on the APAC stage. Starting at 8 CET, Christine Tan will hold court with the head of Asset Manager China AMC, the CEO of the Singapore Stock Exchange, and the group CEO of real estate giant Capital Land Investment. The uh, economists over at the IMF have been working away on their calculators again. They've upgraded the full-year outlook for the euro area, forecasting growth now of 5%. In the latest report, the fund said the economic rebound in the block is surprisingly strong in the second quarter. Sylvia spoke to the IMF's European Department Director, Alfred Kammer, who explained why the fund fund is now positive on the outlook for the European economy. We are expecting that uh, the euro area will hit its uh, uh, pre-crisis GDP level in the fourth quarter of uh, 21. And uh, looking into the medium term, we uh, also uh, have uh, uh, made an upgrade and we are seeing now permanent output losses much lower than we saw before. All thanks to the incredibly strong policy response on the monetary side and on the fiscal side, which uh, maintained the balance sheets of the corporate sector, which maintained the balance sheets of households. Their uh, disposable income was pretty stable during 2021, and they accumulated excess savings of 9.5% of disposable income uh, uh, during this period. All of this uh, income rebound, renewed confidence, uh, and the strong balance sheets is helping uh, this uh, rebound to go into a strong recovery. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.